Hello again. Welcome back to another episode of Let's Open the Bible. It's Gavin and Russ coming back to you today as we wrap up our discussion on clothing. And we're going to be, listener, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to begin in verse 11 and go through verse 15. So if you have your Bible and you want to join us there, uh, we encourage you to do that if you can do so safely. We would call this Quorum Deo. This is, you know, how, based on what we've heard, what we've learned, how then do we dress or how then, what do we do in light of these things? How do we live in the presence of God in light of what we've learned? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so I am, uh, I'm going to read these verses. I'm going to ask Gavin to lead us in prayer. All right. Heavenly Father, we come before your throne of grace. And and uh, if we're not careful, this conversation will be all about what we put on, what we put on the outer man, what we, what we clothe ourselves in. And while that is uh, indicative of our heart, that is not always our heart. And so I do pray, God, that we come to your throne and we receive that grace and mercy to find help in a time of need and also that we would come boldly before your throne of grace in spite of what we're wearing outwardly, God, as you look on the inner man. Um, it doesn't mean we don't care about what we wear. It just It's just a matter of priorities. God, would you work that out in our lives because wrongly ordered affections, wrongly ordered priorities is idolatry and we want nothing to do with that. Would you work that out in our minds and in our hearts and in our practice? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, again, Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 11, where there is neither Greek or Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so all, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. That's good stuff. That's real good. Not sure how you put on love or how you put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, and meekness, but... I'm guessing you have some ideas on this. Well, well, I know this, that in the end, if we're more worried about what we're putting on the outer man and less impressed or aware of what we're wearing on the inside, uh, we got problems. Yes. And so as we put on love, that love that covers a multitude of sins, it, it overlooks a lot of things. B.R. Lakin one time said, he said somebody came in and said, hey, the organist was, you know, uh, he said, wasn't her dress a little too short and he goes I don't know maybe she was a little too far down in it you know something like that just kind of almost dismissive is <laughs> like we as much as we do communicate with what we wear I want to let that speak more to me and the board that is in my eye rather than to be looking around and now become the the fashion police the sartorial police of the uh of the church like well that's just not going to cut it um, I did say I would pull some people aside but but that's my primary job is is to preach to the heart and as the heart changes, so will the clothes. So, you know, put on these things. Christ has saved you. Put on these things, that you would be marked and known by these things. Right. Again, sometimes we're uh, me, I'm so worried about what's on the outside that I fail to really worry about what's on the inside. So I'm more worried about that T-shirt that says Metallica than I am that the person is, you know, he's got a, a, a Bible study that's, you know, He's talking to 25 people about Christ and the, the hope and love and joy that's offered through him, that, that salvation that's offered in Christ. So uh, we need to be very aware of what we're wearing primarily. 
You know, it just struck me or it just reminded me something you said there uh, about the, the T-shirt of Metallica. I was listening to J.D. Greer um, preach a message. I don't even remember now what it was he was preaching on, but he was he was talking about love. And he, uh, and so, you know, he's, he, the summit there is in, in the primary campus, I think is in Durham. And so mm-hmm. you're surrounded yes. by Chapel Hill, NC State, Duke University. And so the, the, the primary audience uh, is, is very young in that church, college age primarily. Okay. So uh, one of the praise band members uh, was wearing a, a Carolina blue colored t-shirt that said uh, the expletive that begins with F Duke. Yeah. And uh, JD's like, okay. He pulled him aside before the service and said, okay, there's no planet on that you can wear that shirt and, and, and communicate love. And so he actually had him put his shirt on inside out. Okay. Yeah. Which is good because uh, I think we get so wrapped up in things that, that maybe we enjoy or in that case, maybe that we're passionate about that we forget about putting on tender mercies and kindness and humility and these other things. Well, I also, that, that really brings to light another conversation that I want to have is, is what, what determines your conscience. So let's say he pulls that guy aside and says, your shirt. And the guy says, yes, so what? And you're like, well, that's not loving. What are you talking about? Like, this is a joke. What do you mean it's not loving? Like how, how, how does that person, how is their conscience shaped so that they have the word of God speaking truth into their life where the, the word is shaping their conscience and they don't have a, um, you know, the Bible allows for sinning and not knowing it. Yeah. And I know we have the Holy Spirit, but the Spirit is provoked by the Word of God. And so, you know, those people that are not letting the Word of Christ dwell in them richly will find a lot of things acceptable that would not be biblically acceptable. Absolutely. You know, communicating hatred in that way. Well, no, what's wrong with that? You know, that's very divisive. Some people yeah. are going to be very bothered by that, um, which then leads to another passage. And we're not going to read too much of it, but 1 Corinthians 10. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any questions on the ground of conscience. And keep in mind, we're talking about clothes. So, you know, if you're going out with some, some people and, you know, they, you know, they say, hey, we're, we're, you know, going to this concert. I, I don't know that there are too many things that you couldn't just throw a T-shirt on that, you know, they're tossing out T-shirts and everybody's going dressed in, un- that, you know, that, that fun uniform um, on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, that's causing me to stumble, or this is this this has been offered in sacrifice. Then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you, and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty? And Paul's going to say, like, why am I going to do what? Like, I know I'm free to do a lot of things that some people say I'm not. Why is my so? Paul says, for why should my liberty be determined by somebody else's conscience? If I partake with thanks thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that? For which I give thanks. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all things to the glory of God. Give no offense to the Jew or to the Greek or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many that they may be saved. What's he saying there? 
Well, I, you're such a Baptist preacher. <laughs> you're you're that guy that says we're. Yep, you I know, said it. I know. We're, we're, I know. we're, we're not going to read yep. much of this, and then you like read the whole well, book it's of so Corinthians. Good. I, I I'm yeah. in love with God's word, and if anybody wants this, like. I don't have it all figured out. I'm not inerrant inspired. And I, last time I tried to speak ex cathedra, it did not go well for me. I got so. all these, these memes I see on social media when the Baptist preacher says, so in conclusion, and then 30 minutes later, Oh yeah. 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 That's yeah. you. Yeah. That's your street name. Somebody in conclusion. wanted to give me the saving Eutychus book, how to not get him to fall asleep and fall out a window dead. So yeah. So um, I don't know. You, you, you uh, left me at, at hello when you said I'm not going to read much. Man, just and then worry you didn't about the stop. people around you. Yes. Be sensitive to where you're going to cause somebody to stumble. Yes. Like if, if you show up in your church and you're going to radically turn on what you wear, uh, or you're going to have new standards on what they wear, be very aware that you may cause somebody to stumble. You may cause them to, to, to sear their conscience. So if someone says, I think you need to wear a suit and, and that's of God, I think that's a slow, deliberate process because if you cause somebody to ignore their conscience and they do it over time, and this is to the unbeliever, this the 1 Corinthians 10 passage that I just read, but they're also about the weaker brother. If you cause the weaker brother to ignore his conscience and you sear it, like you're a part of that conscience being seared where they no longer listen to the voice of God speaking to them, don't do it and you've redirected them to ignore that, that's on you. Right. So be very aware of what you're doing uh, in, in, in what you wear. Okay. Um, you will communicate something. And then I'll give you another one because it never seems to land and we're not going to land, I don't know, other than when you leave this week's series, I want you to say, I'm going to pray and I'm going to wrestle and I'm going to glorify God in what I wear and I'm going to be aware of what other people uh, experience when I wear. If I'm going to be a distraction on a Sunday morning, I need to be aware of that. Um, Russ, you and I talked about, and I'm going to let you take over a little bit. You and I talked about, would you ever wear shorts from the pulpit? And both of us come from a fairly traditional church. So no, I would not. Okay. So he would not. I have, uh, at one time under a robe and, and I can't remember if I preached or I quickly changed. I quickly changed the second time, but for a baptismal service. Yeah, and I, and I told you I've considered that, and I, it just occurred to me there was one time where the pastor was caught up in a situation that he – it was a Wednesday night. He was not going to be done in time to start the service, and he needed – he for whatever reason saw me, thought of me, whatever happened, I don't know, but he called on me uh, to do the service just off the cuff, mm-hmm. and I was wearing shorts. Okay. And I was so incredibly uncomfortable. The church we were going to was very um, – was is I'm not sure because I'm not there now, but very traditional, right? Very traditional, very legalistic in their thinking and and things like that. So I was very uncomfortable. Have you ever had somebody stand up in in your congregation and was wearing you know something that was less than the standard for the church tradition for the church, and you thought, oh, I wonder how this is going to go? So, for example, somebody taking up the collect the offering in shorts, or somebody uh, reading scripture in you know well, in a we t-shirt had a, or something in like that, that church. And, and by the way, before I forget, because I will forget, I, I I am moving to the place where I'm okay with that, as I want there to be intentionality in what you wear. But go ahead. In that church, and this is a church that's wearing their choir wore robes, pastor wore the suit, the whole deal. So they're dressed, and I'm saying this facetiously. They were dressed the way you should be dressed. Whatever. Okay. So the youth pastor gets up, who is an older youth pastor at this point. He'd been a youth pastor for a number of years in various other churches, had been at this church for, uh, I don't know, at that time, but let's just call it about a year. Uh, gets up to preach in his T-shirt, his blue jeans, and his flip-flops. 
okay. sitting on a stool, which is something that that church had never seen in my 20 years there at that time, and it was scandalous to some. Interesting, because in Scripture, and this is not universal, but in Scripture, you will find some places where they stood to read Scripture and sat to explain it. And so if you're like, well, I am a regulative principle guy, I believe that if it's in the Bible, we're doing it, there may be an argument, and it's not a conclusive, you know, drop the mic argument, but that you stand to read and sit to explain so that preaching should be done sitting. Now, that's not, that's not universal, but there are places in Scripture. Charles Stanley should, does it. What? Charles Stanley does I, it. I, I, I don't want to make that even close to a universal, but isn't that crazy how tradition seems to trump Scripture? And we would say, I think most people in your congregation, and I would imagine every person in my congregation would say the Bible is, and I don't mean to make that distinction, I just don't know your congregation as well. Everybody would say the Bible's the final authority, and yet tradition seems to run the, the show. So putting on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, okay. long-suffering, these things that we've talked about, uh, being aware of the conscience of others, mm-hmm. uh, how then do we, how do we approach this? How, how do we hold all these things in balance? In okay, view? so practically speaking, this is yeah. the Quorum Deo. Yeah. Um, if you are a congregation member, I want you to be deliberate and intentional about what you wear every day. And if you say, well, right now my my wardrobe is dominated by um, things that I, I would rather not communicate, right? Um, I, I don't even know where to go with that because I don't want to make something sinful that's not sinful. But um, l- let's just say, you know, right now, Russ, your uh, wardrobe is dominated by halter tops. Okay, hmm. and you've been convicted that a man should not dress like a woman. I'm not trying to even be funny about this. I'm just right. trying to be serious. Uh, so, and now you're intentional. You're like, I'm communicating something now that I was fine with before. And Rust is not wearing halter tops, but I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just using this as kind of a, a, a hyperbolic illustration. illustration. Yeah. So Rust then needs to go, and he needs to say, I'm, I want to communicate something different. I don't want to communicate rebellion against God. I don't want to communicate that I think I'm a woman. I want to communicate that I'm a child of God. I want to dress in modesty, humility, uh, expressing purity. Uh, I want to dress not like a woman. So he needs to start changing his wardrobe. And I think that the church should be aware of that. And if somebody's intentional about wanting to change their wardrobe, the church should help. You want Quorum Deo, the church should help you afford or supply you with a, a with a different wardrobe if you can. And it may take time, but mm-hmm. you're now communicating something different. Okay? Next, as a pastor, if you decide, either listening to this podcast or just on your own, that you have a freedom that you did not feel you had before, and you're moving away from the suit and a tie, and it's culturally appropriate in, in the context... You have two tools to move your church. Two tools. I think that I think that's about it. Two tools, maybe three. Two, preaching and teaching, and we're going to lump those together. And prayer. Yeah. From the pulpit over time, there are some things that need to be changed immediately, right away, now. I don't think this is one of them. So over time, slowly change the culture of your church through faithful preaching of God's word and not to get your desire. I, I don't put your desire out there first and then just bombard your congregation with verses. You want the Bible to shape your thinking and then walk the congregation through that. So preaching and teaching and pray. God, you know, pray um, and, and, and be very aware of the weaker brother. Yeah. Um, and, and but but then we talked about we've talked about before uh, the tyranny of the weaker brother, right? 
the weaker brother should not be running the church. Right. You okay. don't want the tail to wag the dog. Okay. So the last little bit we'll add, and, and I know that you keep trying to keep us on task, and I love that, Russ. But the last little bit I do want to add is in 2 Samuel 6, 16, uh, the ark of, of the Lord came into the city of David, and Michelle, Michael, Michael, however, I'm going to pronounce it Michael, but it's the daughter of Saul, and nobody knows how to pronounce that name. It's in the Hebrew, right? So nobody would know how to pronounce it, but I'm just going to say Michael. The ark of the Lord came into the city of David. Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. Hop down to verse 20. David returned to bless his house, but Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, how the king of Israel honored himself today, uncovering himself today before the eyes of his servants, female servants, his servants, female servants, as one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. And David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me as prince over Israel, the people of God, and I will celebrate before the Lord, and I will make myself yet more contemptible than this, and I will be abased in your eyes, but by the female servants of whom you have spoken, by them I shall be held in honor. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child to the day of her death. And real quick, the point of that, you want to talk quorum Deo, is sometimes worship doesn't look like people expect it to, and it doesn't always look pretty. There is there is an order to it, certainly. There is an object to it, absolutely. If the object of our affection is not there, that's not even worship. If God is not the center of what we're doing, that's not even worship. But sometimes we look out and we're like, why would you act like that, dress like that, dance like that? You know, because he was in a linen ephod, dancing around, hopping around, and it just wasn't wasn't what he should be wearing. And I want to say it seems that Michael was the one that was wrong. And David then could have looked at her and said, you know what? I'm worshiping. And wor- and he is worshiping with all of his might. And uh, and she was back there judging him by the standards of kingship. King shouldn't dress like that. What are you doing? You're looking like you're, you're looking foolish. You're looking uh, passionate. And you should be the, this glorious, austere and distant king. And he's like, but I'm worshiping. And how does that look with clothing? It, it looks like God is the center of what I do. And I can't make the decision for what you wear. Tender mercies, yeah. kindness, humility, meekness, that, you know, that all kind of sums up the, the godliness, the character of godliness. And uh, as you were describing that, and, and sometimes worship doesn't look like you expect, I was reflecting on uh, we, we recently had a Baptist Women's Day, and we had a guest speaker um, who was from another church that is much younger slash hipper or, you know, whatever. Uh, and so she had her jeans on though. She was, is, uh, I don't know, maybe a little younger than me, but we're not far apart, uh, with her holes in her jeans and, you know, and these things. And, and, uh, I mean, it was a, it was a nice top, but it was very casual jeans, more casual than, that I've seen in a long time, anybody standing in the pulpit, and as as she talked about uh, uh, women in the Bible and different things, and it was good. And I, I preached afterwards, and it was fine. Uh, it didn't it didn't bother me, but it caused me. It I did notice it, but then it caused me to think. Well, in her context, in the church she goes to, that is normal. 
normal and probably even maybe formal. And one day it might get formal. Right. So I want to introduce something totally different in a second, but I want to say like, um, did Jesus wear, maybe this helps the listener understand. Did Jesus wear jeans? No. We, we, we would say no because jeans weren't a thing then yeah, to, totally. to our knowledge. No, they weren't. I mean, yeah. Jesus did not wear jeans, right? Different context, different culture. Yeah. And I don't want to hyper-contextualize. There, there is a C scale for missionaries and what you what is appropriate contextualization, what is not. And I think we all need to recognize that. But if anybody, I know I said this so many times, it's probably uh, old. If anybody thinks they don't contextualize at all, uh, I, I, I highly doubt their congregation is understanding them. You know, even if you say, well, let's not go back to the, the Hebrew and the Greek, Let's go just Latin Mass, the pre-Vatican II, 1960s, early 60s, pre-Vatican II, Latin Mass, where the congregation doesn't understand because they don't have to. We're not contextualizing for them. I don't worry about them. And if you're not there, then you certainly contextualize. And so at, what is over-contextualization? What is becoming casual with God because you're more worried about culture? Mm-hmm. And that, I don't want to do that either. So, well, oh, yeah, what? can I add one more thing? Sorry. No, go ahead. You were wrapping it up, and you were going to end I, on time, and I you were going to be well, gloriously trying, good. But, you know, you're I had you're a, a, a uh, philosophy slash, slash ethics teacher that said distortion in rock music. If Is distortion less godly than clarity? Because you communicate something about God in everything. So is distortion that, you know, in when in, in yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I know. I get it. I get it. Is distortion less godly because it communicates disorder or it communicates a lack of clarity. And in everything we do, we should be communicating God. And that's why in 1 Corinthians 14, like your services should be orderly. It communicates order. Your, your service should communicate order because we communicate the attributes of God. We should be a reflection of God. And I just thought of something, you know, I, I'm absolutely okay with someone wearing jeans, but, and, and I'm actually fine with this, but I'd have to work through this. Do the holes communicate worn out? Now, if she said, you know what, I'm, I'm communicating fashion, that's not where my heart is. That's not what I want to communicate. If she says, I was communicating humility, I was communicating a care for the people around me. I was communicating lowliness and, and abject poverty. I was the drummer boy coming before the great king. You know, I mean, I'm all for that type of thinking. I don't know. There's just food for thought as we close. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> I wish you could see the eye roll. Uh, listener, thank you for enduring to the end. Uh, you get a gold badge <laughs> or air bucks from Gavin. Uh, and uh, we just challenge you to continue to wrestle with these things uh, as you stand in front of your closet suffering from paralysis from analysis, as I, uh, I'm yes, sure that I yes. will on Sunday. Yeah, You're, you'll uh, get a free pair of holy jeans. Right. <laughs> um, keep opening your Bible. We look forward to catching back up with you tomorrow. God bless. <laughs>